Cat.io Talk Radio is brought to you by Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Very good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this uh, show as hashtag leadership. Today's topic is how to manage beginnings as a leader. Our guests for today's show are James Hill Sills, who's the cabinet secretary and a CIO of the state of Delaware. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Ben Joe? I am very good. Uh, so life and business treating you well? Everything's going extremely well, and um, I'm pleased to be on your show this morning. Oh, uh, honored to have you. And we also have Susan Cram, who's the president of Value Dance and the former CIO of Taco Bell Corporation. Good morning, Susan. How are you? I am very well. How are you? And good morning, Jim. Good morning, Susan. Um, I'm doing very well, too. Thank you so much again for being on this show. Now, uh, this particular topic today is actually the first in a series of three leadership topics we are going to be focusing on, beginnings, transitions, and closures. So listeners, be sure to tune into next two weeks to hear the whole scope of this conversation. But today, the focus is on beginnings. Every leader, as we see, goes through a new beginning. Every leader has ambitious new ideas and also faces challenges in planning and change. But it's a necessary step and absolute starting step in the evolution of an organization. So with that said, first question is for you, Jim. How do we actually gauge that we need to actually start something? And what are those signs that a new start is necessary? And is there a right time that we should do so? How do we determine that? Great question. Um, I'm going to just give you a couple of examples first. Uh, when you see a um, people hiding behind process or processes are getting out of control, or you see that the organization is really not willing to change, I think that's kind of your indication that you need to do something. And so I think it's real important on the IT leader to uh, interview his subordinates and his other managers to kind of find out what's going on and that we have to make certain changes to change the organization. So I think it's real important that you you got your pulse on the people and you understand that they're not, you don't want them to hide behind process. And that's kind of what I've observed when, when, uh, when you know you need to make a change. Now, Susan, when you look at any of the new beginnings, of course, you know, there are new projects starting, et cetera. I mean, there, there is some inertia that you have to get over. You are trying to change people's mindsets. So as a leader, you want to see that it actually starts with a either a big bang or you start make a soft start so that you are able to remove able to remove or eliminate or minimize the kinks uh, and then have uh, the right foundation set in place because many times you are only as good as the start in terms of an initiative. Okay. So the question for you is, where does a person identify 
how or, or what all things that a leader should be doing to identify that if, if there are certain things that they need to be done, how to start them appropriately? Uh, well, I think the first thing I love the the, the phrase that you did is uh, to get over, um, and uh, I think the first thing a leader has to do is get over themselves. Um, you know, Jim indicated the uh, importance of uh, feedback. You know, he talked about the, the IT leader interviewing the subordinates, getting to the front line of the business, if possible, reaching out to, in Jim's case, the citizens or uh, the customers, and looking at the at, at the company from the outside in. And I think a lot of us um, do get trapped in our processes. Get do get kind of trapped in the um, priority lists and the, uh, uh, you know, kind of the sequence and drumbeat of meetings. And so I think being able to pull yourself out and um, adopt uh, and develop a new way of looking, a new point of view about looking at uh, what's going on in the marketplace and uh, how your business is responding. And then I think it's a matter of then tapping into and having those conversations both uh, with the front line of your business, with your leadership, and with um, your business partners. Because what um, in order to have any kind of a change, be it a smaller or, you know, if you wanted it, or if it's a much more of a, uh, of a, a larger initiative that needs a big bang, you've got to be able to articulate it in words that resonate with the audience. And so you have to use other people's words and let them see their reflection in um, the uh, statement of the opportunity, um, the uh, the potential that is untapped within the organization, and um, the benefit ultimately to the external um, uh, customer constituent. So, Jim, when we are looking at uh, any beginning, of course, leader would love to get the limelight that, hey, this is an initiative that's going to start under my ages or uh, under, under my uh, sponsorship or blessing. But frankly... We cannot just say that uh, I only uh, I'm going to get the limelight and then I will just hand it over to a program manager and or a project manager and the whole thing will get done. Perhaps there is something more to foundation building of anything which is getting started. And we're not talking about a tiny little project somewhere. We're talking about a beginning of something substantial. So how and, and in what all ways does a leader need to build a foundation so that he can ensure uh, whatever has to be done to make this successful and pave the way for the rest of the crew to make it successful is actually taken care of? Great question. Um, I'll just start off with I think it's real important as the CIO or the IT leader to, to start with the end game in mind, to think about where do you want to be either in six months, 12 months, or 18 months, and know those different uh timeline points of where do you, you know where do you want to be in 6 months where do you want to be in you know 12 months where do you want to be in 18 months and you kind of need to know that right up front i think it's also important that you over communicate so whatever this big initiative is that you're passionate about it you're going to make sure it's going to get done you've got the right resources and um, you're leveraging kind of the best practices related to whatever it is that you're you're trying to accomplish. And then thirdly, um, a lot of times it's not – a lot of times I think you want to separate the IT issues out from kind of the functional issues. And a lot of times we get bogged down into the technical issues. But, you know, when I see things failing or not moving forward, it's really not the IT-related issues. It's really those some of those other – business-related issues or customer-related issues, and you really want to be focused on those issues because they'll, they'll actually 
hurts you because people will say, well, we can't do this on this side, so it's definitely going to impact the technology people or the technology that you're trying to implement. So I, I try to separate the, out those types of issues. Suppose there's a kickoff uh, to happen for a new beginning, a new initiative, and this is for you, Susan. If person is preparing to kick it off as a leader, what do you think their mindset should be, what they should do to make sure the kickoff is not just, just a lot of partying and, and, and uh, big talk, but also setting the stage for, for all people concerned and not only the ones who are going to report to this individual, but also perhaps the ones who they have an, only an influence and even further for the, the people above this leader, in this case, let's take the CIO's example, for the executive management that while this is getting started, everybody needs to understand what their role is and in what all way they can contribute effectively to make this initiative successful. So what is it that, that they should be preparing for and then set expectations? Um, you know, it's um, uh, a, a challenge. And what you, you prefaced in the previous question, that this is something big, it's not small. The number one uh, mistake that I see leaders making is that they're delegating a hard problem, uh, and they're not acting as program manager for that change initiative. So it's not only the kickoff, it's the ongoing, um, quite frankly, hands-on guidance of that initiative. And they can have support in terms of staff work and some people managing um, some streams and putting together the um, sort of the overall plan and monitoring that. But there is a time in a leader's job where we have to recognize that the changes we're making are ones that we personally have to guide, um, not only at the exception, but throughout. Um, as an example, I have a client, and they're uh, working a very, very large, and I think the word transformation is all over the place, so it's very large transformation. And, you know, the, the conception, they did a pretty nice job with, the, you know, the, the end state, a pretty nice job with uh, the as-is. Um, but at that, then that point, there's this huge sort of magic happens here in the middle, of which when I was interviewing my client, my client could not articulate the uh, pathway from where we are now to where they want to be. And, um, you know, as Jim said, you've got to have a very good, clear sense of not only the to be in the 18 months, but you've got to be able to have the six month, the 12 month, and you've got to be able to, um, you know, stay engaged with that. Now, um, with that said, Jim, do you think in cases when we do not have an initiative, which leader, uh, say it's take your role or as a CIO, not every initiative that is big uh, would be totally your baby or your brainchild. It could very well come because somebody else wanted to make it happen. And yes, you agreed to it, but there could be some uh, contention there, or perhaps you agree to it, but since it's not your own, the passion of, of being having it to be considered as your baby may not be there. So how do you still lead with such an initiative and make it uh, create a good beginning for that initiative so that regardless, since you have been uh, offered this opportunity to lead it in some form or fashion and make it successful, at least you play your role? That's a fantastic question. Um, here's what we do here at the state of Delaware. Um, every one of our employees is evaluated based on three goals. It's IT, availability and reliability, technology leadership, and uh, customer engagement. And so everybody knows those are our three main goals. And so it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, like, like you said, I'm normally involved in the 
the $10 million and above projects. So if it's something that's smaller than that, I have to rely on my other managers, but also the culture of the organization that, you know, we're going to uphold those three core values that I just mentioned. And so that's how we push out throughout our organization, you know, this is what needs to get done. You have to be passionate about it. You have to be, um, you know, get buy-in. You have to understand the issues. You have to understand the customer's pain points. And so, you know, a CIO cannot be involved in every single thing or touch every single thing. So you really want to make sure you're pushing down into the organization these core values. So with that said, uh, Susan, would you have sitting outside seen situations where people were told to take on an initiative which they were not totally gung-ho with, and still, since they have a job to do, they work with it, what what type of uh, difference in the way they approach it makes it successful or not as successful, and how do they maintain their um, what, what's the word? Balance, emotional balance and mental balance to make sure that it is not coming across that there is a disconnect between the sponsors of the actual project and CIO as the leader who is supposed to champion and make this happen. Well, the good news is, is that when you take goals like what Jim has articulated, there's many paths to get to those goals. So I think the, um, I think that any leader has to look at, um, the, where the, the energy is in their organization, where the momentum is going and needs to leverage the momentum in order to accomplish their end game. So if we've got sponsors out, outside, we've got customers external, we've got you know, leaders within our organization that have a dream and, 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 and have a direction they want to go, we can use that commitment and that energy to, uh, and, and then be able to influence um, how that is being done so that it does benefit and, and uh, the organization and lead to um, our longer-term objectives. So I think the uh, uh, big mistake that somebody makes, in fact, there's a, a client of mine where there is a, um, a, a, a lean initiative that is uh, global within their organization, and they've got this other kind of initiative that um, to improve the collaboration and, you know, that type of thing. And the question is, you know, how, that, as a bolt-on, that collaboration thing's not going to go anywhere, really. But if they can figure out how to subsume that and how to link it in with this larger initiative, it's going to get more traction. So, you know, I have a high-level respect for um, motivation, commitment, and energy within organizations. And, you know, I believe that, you know, an average idea that has incredible commitment is going to go a long way and it's going to have a good benefit. Now, there is something known as uh, WIIFM, which is what's in it for me. And to that, we'll take a quick break right now. But when we come back, let's look at the, the, the elements that you will put out in front of the employees and or other folks who are part of the project to say, while this is in the best interest of the business organization, this initiative has been taken on for but there is something which would also help you as individuals for it to really create the right level of passion and, and camaraderie among all team members who will make this all successful. So how do you go about, first of all, determining how many different unique um, in, incentives that you need to provide or, or angles that you need to provide to the people in the team so that they start feeling that this is their project, they're going to really get something tangible out of it? And we're not just blowing smoke as a leader. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. 
Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Jim, if we were to go to employees and or uh, anyone who's involved in the organization, they will have to see that there is something in it for them. And with so many people, so many groups involved with their own agendas, it is, could be quite a lot of upfront due diligence for a leader to really have a message which could be accurately interpreted in a positive manner by all constituents. What's that due diligence? What is that that uh, approach that you would take so that it has a positive outcome? I think it's real important that you're um, taking the perspective of the customer and you're addressing their pain points relative to this new solution or this new uh, application that you're about to implement. Um, I think you want to be um, a very good listener and lay out a very crisp plan in terms of we're going to do this here, this there, with you know good timelines, and that you're going to have uh, the appropriate touch points along the path of the project to, to make them feel comfortable that this is going to be a successful initiative and, you know, it's going to take everybody's effort to get it off the ground. Now, when we have, say, the president give a speech, you've got a bunch of different uh, stations, you know, the, the media goes ahead and tries to analyze what was said, what was the tone, et cetera, and what they could have done better for the required impact. Now, that type of analysis may not happen explicitly so that the leader can learn from it. Uh, it would perhaps have the impact negative or positive, but we would not know how to improve upon it. So, Susan, do you think there is a way so we could have this mini uh, ecosystem that can be created within an organization so that when leader goes a, goes ahead and gives that, that speech to start an initiative and things that are said, we actually get better at it every time so that we do not make the same mistakes twice and thrice? Oh, that's an interesting question. The, um, uh, I think that the key to... Uh, being able to give an effective speech uh, is, uh, first of all, to understand that you, it has, it can, in and of itself, can have limited impact. 
Uh, you can't tell anybody anything and really change their beliefs. They have to go through all the neuroscience research um, supports what we know intuitively, that people have to be engaged in the conversations to come up with those insights, to reprogram their, you know, their basal ganglia, you know, and in order to change their behavior. So we know that um, we can't put too much emphasis on an initial speech. That being said, we know it's seven times in seven ways, and that if we keep the elements of what Jim uh, mentioned forefront, meaning let's make sure that we're not making this about the department or even about necessarily the company, but let's make it about the citizen or the customer and what it means from a marketplace standpoint, and let's make sure that we, are, uh, we understand and can articulate what that means to the people, the reality of the people who are listening to the communication. And if I think we, if we keep those two things in mind, um, then, then you've got an opportunity to at least start, you know, lay some of the bricks or the groundwork. Um, but we've got to follow that up with um, that, those uh, individual and small group kind of discussions about how to take those concepts and what do they mean to our work group and to me personally. And we need leaders at all levels who can facilitate those kind of discussions. Now, coming to uh, simplification, that's one area that, of course, you know, IT people are notoriously not doing a good job in many cases where they would try to uh, explain something, but they take pride in those three-letter acronyms, which other people perhaps don't understand. So if you go about simplifying an initiative, which so that could be understood well by the business community as well, do you think we run the risk, and this is for you, Jim, do you think we run the risk of oversimplifying something so that, and it might set up, set wrong expectations for all people around, and then we are left, uh, you know, holding the bag and working much harder than we have to, to make this initiative a success? Yeah, you know, my, my goal here is to make it as simple as possible, whatever it is that we're trying to do. A lot of times IT people try to over-engineer whatever the solution is. And I think Susan, throughout this conversation this morning, has really been very clear on keeping the focus on the customer. So if you put yourself in the customer's shoes, they really don't care how it works or what it takes to get it implemented. They just want to make sure it works for them. And so I think you want to always have that mindset whenever you're interfacing with the customer is to keep it simple and just focus on their needs and you'll have a very su successful outcome. Now, with that said, do you think uh, there are places where there could be some unexpected complications that could come off of a new beginning? And um, how can a person at, at, at a leadership level, along with their lieutenants, be proactively uh, become aware of? Susan. Um, well, I wanted to make a comment about the simplification. Um, I, sim being simple is not simple. Being simple is hard because you have to make choices. And um, it's a real sign of wisdom. Uh, on the part of uh, a leadership group and a leader when they can decide not only what they're going to do but what they're not going to do and to keep that in focus. And I see a lot of uh, leadership agendas 
um, that are clogged and cluttered and approaches, you know, too many things going on and uh, trying to do too much within those things, uh, which is really precluding the opportunity both to um, communicate effectively and then obviously execute um, uh, in a... um, successful manner. So I really did want to underscore that, 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 um, you know, the challenge of being wise um, and, and, and being willing to make choices and how important that is. So in ter- uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So uh, why don't you restate your question? Because I was obviously on the last question. when I was- <laughs> No. So, so basically the unexpected complications that could come off a new beginning that a leader should be aware of and, and how in the first place you, you don't have a crystal ball but you want to get started and there could be some unwanted or unwarranted or um, you know things which people would react to you did not uh, know that you are not prepared for and do you think the damage is already done at the time when you do not start it in the mo- most appropriate manner or people give you the immunity as a leader to set it straight in the beginning, but it could also have, if, if it doesn't, of course, start well, then it could have an impact on the morale or, or other aspects and which could contribute to success or uh, failure of an initiative. Well, the, the, uh, it is, there is that old adage that failure starts at the beginning. So a good start is very important, um, but there are a million ways to uh, not only make something fail, but to, to bring it back on course. And I think the challenge for all leaders, in fact, I have a client who um, isn't or hasn't been as connected to the front line of his organization, um, and so he really was not getting the, um, the early warning system. Uh, to help him make those those course corrections or help him guide his direct reports and those below him to make those course corrections. So, um, you know, I think the thing is stay humble and stay connected. Now, Jim, do you know that if if we go about in an organization and try to make a difference, we also have a lot many more people hanging on to the old style or the legacy approach to how you dealt with things, and they don't just give up. And you're trying to say there is a beginning. We are by design qualifying that it's a new beginning. And it could be uh, uh, something that the leader themselves may be carrying or the other people who are supposed to support this leader to start this initiative in the right of way could be carrying with them. And, and anything that happens at the beginning stages, uh, these these preconceived notions or hanging on to the old could actually come and haunt you and or hurt you. Well, I think that happens a lot in the IT industry where people are so married to a spe- to a particular or specific system or process and they just don't want to change and there's a lot of um, passive aggressive people out there that just want to keep doing it the same way but I, you know I think it's important to say for your audience that you know and I think your audience knows this but technology changes every day and so I think it's important for the IT leader to be that change agent so he's communicating that other things are happening outside of you know, our environment, and we actually have to kind of keep pace with what's happening outside of our environment and understand that there's always going to be change. There's going to always going to be good change. And then I think you want to take a step back sometimes and look at a process, and if it has 10 steps, can you reduce it down to five steps or seven steps? And you want to have change agents that are in your organization that report to you 
who had the same kind of mindset. So that, that would be my view on how to address that issue. And what if you had lieutenants or one or more people who are maybe as part of the business sponsors and or your own team who are hanging on to the old? You cannot beat them up to really change their ways overnight. And then at the same time, you are supposed to be the one who's a pipe piper, who's supposed to lead the organization and this initiative in the right direction. So double-edged sword, right? You could lose your camaraderie with the team if you try to coach them and say, Whatever you're saying is the old style. You've got to think differently. You have to have the rationale in you. And if you don't do it, and if you do that, of course, you're going to sour the relationships, and that could hurt you going forward. But if you don't, then you could be putting the whole initiative in jeopardy. So damn if you do, damn if you don't. Right, Jim? So, so yeah, what's your, what's your uh, uh, you know, wild card here which you could utilize to solve such issues? I'll give you a specific example. Uh, I have uh, four direct reports, and I wanted to move to a cloud-based uh, ITIL service management platform. And today we have a number of different uh, vendors who provide these different modules or services for us. And I just said, I can't take it anymore. We're struggling with the upgrades. We're struggling with maintaining these systems. And so I had all four of my direct reports against moving to this cloud-based solution. And so I did the due diligence of figuring out what the cost was, uh, how we could move forward, what a particular implementation plan would be. And I kind of wore them down, but I did it on an individual basis. And I said, this will make you better in 12 months. And so to make a long story short, uh, all four of my direct reports now, they were totally against this idea. Now that we've implemented three of the 11 modules, they're 100% behind it. So, you know, I took a risk. They didn't want to change. They thought it would be an uh, unbelievable impact to the organization to have everybody change over to this particular platform. But given that the vendor did what they were supposed to do and we had the right dedicated resources to do what we needed to do, it's been very successful. So, uh, you know, I know that you, sometimes as a leader you have to take a risk knowing that this is a, the best thing for the organization and then eventually people will come around. Now, that said, this is interesting how you handled it, Jim. So, Susan, given that you deal with quite a few leaders how would you have expected people to you know, handle this differently than what Jim did? And if he took the risk, what type of immunity or backup that such a leader can have if that risk doesn't pay out? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to compliment Jim because what he did was leadership, right? I mean, we've got to be very, very clear. Um, after everybody kind of weighs in and, you know, you kind of, you know, go through your due diligence analysis to say this is the path. You know, I've listened to everybody. This is the path. And then the concept of wearing your people down, I love that one too, which is, you know, I see two issues when uh, we're talking about getting this sort of, if you will, engagement uh, on these initiatives. And one is not being frank or being clear, and the other one is not being individual. And on the frank or the clarity part of it, I mean, I've got a client where they're raising performance expectations. And everybody's grousing because they're going through their performance reviews and, you know, they aren't getting the ratings they got before. And the thing that is um, uh, unfortunate is that the organization did not really signal that, you know, this was going to happen and that this was rooted in, in a marketplace reality. 
um, that their company had been asleep for a while and um, that this is necessary and it's going to benefit the people because they're not going to lose their jobs, right? This is an organization that's very committed to the individuals, uh, but that they're going to be, and they're, but they're going to be developed and they're going to be more marketable. Uh, the individual component is to ensure that there are those conversations where you can call it wearing them down or, you know, that which is starting with listening to their objections and being able to um, uh, educate them and get them, uh, their interests aligned with what the, uh, um, the overall needs are. But again, I see, you know, two issues, not being direct, meaning trying to like, you know, sort of please everybody. And that's what Jim did in saying, we're doing this. And I've heard everything you have to say, we're doing this. And then also not being willing to um, help people on an individual basis um, through their change process. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Jim, question for you would be around the workload. We already are having a plate which is pretty full and it's even spilling. And then you bring along a new initiative. And typically there would be a sentiment out there that as if I did not have enough, and yes, you'd promise me all these great things, but it means that I'm going to be spending my instead of 18 or 20 hour days. And that could be maybe their own imagination, but many times it has come true in the past, so they really don't want to believe if you say, no, that's not going to have an impact on what you already do. How do you get over that uh, issue of preconceived notions or that fear so that people can uh, embrace what you are sharing in the first place and, and see the right things and the light at the end of the tunnel uh, with respect to this new initiative? Let's look at this a little more when we come back. Please stay tuned. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Jim, we don't want to work any more than we already do, especially in IT. People have complained about burnout. You've got a new initiative which could be uh, you know, basically misconceived as, as some, something people will have to do more based on what all we already have on the plate. Is this always the case or you have to wing it somehow or you have to uh, manage it so that people take that on happily? 
Yeah, you're actually asking the wrong person uh, that question. Uh, I, you know, I, I actually um, will state this right up front. The view on me here as the state CIO is that I never say no. <laughs> and uh, I'm very good at drumming up business for our technology resources. And so I think it's real important that you have that priority prioritization list, but you're really focused on the items on the list that make us better, and you have to balance the, the want versus the need. And so I get into some really interesting conversations with my staff because I'll say, we need to do this and we need to do this. Well, what could be slowed up or what can be stopped? And it frustrates them sometimes. But what I do, and I think this is good advice for anybody, is I'm not overbearing with it. And so if, there's, if I sense that we can only do two things versus four, two more things versus four more things, I'll settle and say we're going to do these two additional things and not burden burden some burden them with four things which could in essence collapse everything all 100 plus initiatives that we're working on at the same time. So you kind of have to gauge it with what makes sense and you don't want to go overboard in terms of uh like a house of cards bringing everything, you know, to its knees because you've added six things when in reality you could only handle one or two more. Now, Susan, the way um, Jim does this, this is, of course, one style or one uh, approach to how you manage the workload for yourself and for your team. Then there are others. If you were to really coming back and focusing on the beginning side and you are going to be taking on new initiative, what standing outside uh, from this particular role for now, you recommend people do so that they never you never come across as someone who doesn't really care and are like an alien who's going to make sure that you look like a hero even though your team is working twenty five hours a day. Um, the well, first of all, I think people, particularly people in IT, um, they are in to make change. Majority of them, they love to solve puzzles. Um, and people in general want to aspire to something bigger than themselves. They want, they, they want to be part of a winning team. They want, they want to achieve a dream. And I think that fundamentally all of the work aspects start making sense in terms of what you have to trade off or a number of things you have to multitask. If, 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 if everyone's clear about what, what the bigger ideas, what, 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 what that dream is, what the aspiration. And so leaders have to tell that story and be focused on that story. And then, you know, there is a reality of the physics, the mathematics involved with capacity and throughput uh, within uh, any organization, given the processes and the resources. And so I think the, um, you know, there was a good article in Harvard Business Review uh, last year called The Six Myths of Product Development, which did a very, very nice job of talking about sort of the kind of the realities of this, uh, the, the physics that, you know, kind of controls how much can we get done and, and how to ensure that, that uh um, we've got some level of uh, predictable delivery uh, and uh, therefore managing the uh, the workload within that and the size of each component. Um, and, you know, when I think about um, the individuals and uh, within the organization and the role of the leader, the leader has got to be very, very clear on what, what that aspiration and, and, and 
and the what, the goals. And then I think we start having a conversation with the organization about the how. Because, again, there's a lot of, it, there's a lot of ways to accomplish a goal. And, um, you know, the, the key is, is that we're making progress towards that. Sometimes there's a hard and fast deadline. A lot of times, you know, even if you have a hard and fast deadline, you know, it still may not be achievable. So it's much better to get people to, to, to dream with you uh, to, to be involved with the planning of the steps and then for them to make, start making their commitments about what they, what they can deliver. Um, because, again, you'll know what people can deliver based on what comes out of their mouth or what they put in writing. And as a leader, we need to hear that, yeah, I can, I, I'm going to get that done in the second quarter. I can get that done in, in, in you know, August. We need to be able to hear that in order to, to know that our, our people are uh, uh, focused on the same things we are. Now, Jim, you would you, I'm sure you'd agree that all all deadlines are uh, man-made. And so if business says, I want to get it done yesterday and three days from now, saying yes to them without having your upfront due diligence would be suicidal. But even if we say that, okay, we can realistically do it, but we will be compromising on other initiatives, it is perhaps, uh, do you think it's a good idea for us to also negotiate on the other side where the, these requests are coming from? And hindsight 2020, what type of balance has actually created the best outcome for you? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm, I'm a stickler for, let me kind of get technical on you now, uh, I'm a stickler for complete and detailed business requirements. So I don't really stick my neck out on a new initiative unless I feel really comfortable that I can get those business requirements and then set that hard date, even though it's a man-made date, uh, in the ground. So, you know, if somebody has a business, uh, has an idea and it's just an idea, I'll, you know, I'll facilitate that conversation. But in terms of setting that hard date and getting them going, I always put it back on them. You know, how are we coming on the requirements? Do you think you can do the requirements in the next three or four weeks? And then, then I'll have that more active discussion of hitting that specific date. So you, you would get the business requirements, and you will then take control of, if I'm hearing you right, you will take control of what dates can be given. And typically, you do not get uh, just a date that by this time it should get done and then you get the business requirement. So you kind of control it. And do you think that's the right approach for any IT leader or any leader for that matter, whoever is leading an initiative? Yeah, because it starts off with a partnership and, you know, you really want them to, your business partners to be engaged and you really want them to do what they need to do up front. And then let's work together to hit those milestones. And I think the technology leader, what he wants to do is figure out, the different points along that project plan, does he need additional partners to come in through either contractors or staff, staff augmentation or sourcing to other third-party firms to do different parts of it to make sure you actually hit the goal or hit the date? So I think that's, you know, you gotta be have to be flexible in terms of here's what it is, but here's how we can accomplish it together. Here's, you know, pros and cons of doing this option versus that option. 
Susan, do you think it has been that easy across the board? Because I hear quite a few people say we just are given an initiative with a deadline and they say go figure. And yes, even though a person has a backbone, there there's little room for negotiation. So either they did not have a backbone for them to go and negotiate or they did not do their due diligence. What could be going wrong? Because it seems like Jim has his uh, thing going well for him because he's able to negotiate. He has got a good set of management people who truly understand. And there is a partnership. And when there is non-existing or it is still developing, how do you handle it? It sure should not be that easy. And I'm sure it's not that easy. It's not easy at all. That's what makes the uh, – I was at a uh, meeting with a bunch of CIOs at a Gartner conference a few weeks ago, and they are just like, this is such a hard job. <laughs> and it is. It is. The, um, uh, it's all about relationships. Uh, and um, it, people have got to know. The people that you are – and it's the whole credibility bank or relationship bank that Covey talked about like three million years ago um, – You've got to be able to have uh, a powerful no or not yet or not this way kind of conversation. You've got to, you've got to have uh, the people on the other side have got to know that you care about them and that you share common interests in terms of, um, you know, their success and the success of the organization. And um, I know that that sounds, you know, really trite and really simple, but there was some very interesting research that was done a number of years ago, and, and uh, it was a uh, lovable, full, competent jerk. And so a bunch of social network people kind of interviewed and said, well, who, do you, who would you rather work with, a competent jerk or a lovable fool? And everybody, of course, said, oh, I want to work with a competent jerk because, of course, they're going to know what they're talking about. Then they did the social network analysis to figure out who people spent time with. They spent time with the lovable fool. They spent time with people they like. And they made all kinds of excuses for the lack of delivery of the lovable fool. So let's assume that everybody listening to this is not a lovable fool um, and is very competent what they do, but they can't, but they are also great to work with, that they're investing in the relationships, that they are uh, providing people, uh, doing unexpected relevant favors for people, um, and that they are staying externally focused outside the IT organization. Um, then I think you've got the best of both worlds. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back and talk about amount of uh, disruption you want to cause just because we want to start something new. And is it really worth it to undo what all you've done in the previous set of initiatives or your whatever that you're doing on a regular basis just to get this started? And how do you minimize that impact anytime when you have a new initiative or a new beginning? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not. Because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online. And use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central. Phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. 
Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. So, Jim, uh, how can you minimize disruptions, especially when you're starting something new? You want to create new value, but you don't want to lose the one that you created earlier. Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, I think it's important as the CIO or the IT leader that you involve your staff early in whatever it is that you're talking about changing. Um, put some skin in the game in terms of, listening to their the pros and cons of uh, doing it or not doing it. Uh, encourage um, your managers or leaders to take some risk and say, well, what if we did take a little more risk and we were able to uh, accommodate this change? So what do you think the impact would be on the organization? So at least they, they're going into it with their eyes wide open and they've been a part of those discussions. And so... Um, I know it's a balancing act, and we can only do so much, but uh, there's always going to be times when new stuff comes up that you're going to have to get implemented. And so I think you want to create an organization that has the flexibility to absorb or handle, you know, one or two more initiatives because it makes you look good if you can do it. It makes, makes your overall company or government look good if you can do that extra thing. And, uh, and it makes that your leadership team look good also. But they got to be prepared. That's, that's the bottom line. Susan, do you think there are strategies people have utilized so that they isolate or insulate the existing value that is already getting delivered mm-hmm. from the new beginnings and only when um, something new is added on, it is a positive addition versus, uh, you know, you offsetting the value created earlier versus the new, so the net sum, it's a zero-sum game then. You don't want that happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be messy. Um, if, if you're talking about a larger transformation, a larger beginning, it's going to be messy. Um, you know, part of the, the, the wisdom uh, is to understand how big it really needs to be. And I think we have a tendency to spin up these huge transformations, and maybe not all of them really need to be spun up at least as big as they are. Um, I always think about, you know, uh, I love watching HGTV and, and, you know, they take $3.99 and they are able to transform a house or something, you know. But what they're doing is they're very intelligently going about and applying change so that it has the biggest level of impact. And that's why I think that, you know, incumbent on any leader is to have a, uh, to have a smaller core group thinking very, very deeply, you know, so they kind of do slow start means a fast, a faster implementation, thinking very deeply about what needs to change and why and what sequence needs to occur so that you can create structure among this change and minimize the disruption and, and, and accelerate through that disruption 
um, because you're changing only those things that you need to change uh, and not sort of uh, getting so many people. One of the mistakes I see is, is starting to, to, to socialize and, and, and launch uh, a new beginning when it really hasn't been well-defined. And so what you've done is you create a lot of people vibrating in the organization, but they don't have anything to do. Now, I love the idea that Susan offered here. Uh, now, Jim, do you think most organizations could afford the luxury to have a think tank which is thinking in that detail and that to stay objective as if they were not part of the initiative and give you a roadmap how we would go about doing it so that we minimize or eliminate the disruption which is going to offset the value creation uh, you know, that we are doing right now? Yeah, I don't think most organizations in today's economy, especially in the government sector, could afford to bring on that type of resource or resources in terms of a think tank. I think it's incumbent on the CIO or in his leadership team to kind of be that think tank and kind of think out of the box. I know that's an overused term, but, uh, you know, that's that's what you've hired those people to do. And, you know, they need to balance risk. They need to balance you know, kind of what's happening in the IT industry and also balance the needs of the customer. And so I think it's, it's you know, you, 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 you want that CIO or that leader to be that change agent to, to bring about those different changes, not utilizing. I think it's more effective when you do it yourself versus using a think tank or an outside consultant. I think if you take ownership of it and you think it's a good thing, Go ahead with it. Go with your gut, and I think it'll be more successful. You'll have a better chance of success. Yeah, and I want to clarify. I couldn't agree with Jim more. I am not recommending that we outsource leadership within organizations. Now, how do you maintain objectivity when we know that we ourselves could lose our shirt because if the things go south, so we want to keep it insulated at the same time, create value, and also look at the hero? I mean, that's too much to ask for from uh, from the crew, which is actually deep into that very initiative and the other initiatives, and they are the ones who are being looked at, whether you're bringing me net positive results or not. Well, there's risk in leadership. You know, you can't, you can't, you know, keep a foot on the dock and a foot on the boat. You've got and so we leave it, at, so do you think we leave it at that? Well, no, I think what we realize is that if you've got people committed, you don't have to have perfect implementation. You do need to have strong commitment. And people will make it right. People will figure out how to refine it over time. And, Jim, if you were to give a message to uh, the listeners in terms of how to actually start, give me two or three words that should be top of their mind as part of them thinking about beginning, a successful beginning. I'd have to go back to some of the points that Susan just made. I think it's critical that you make your your customer successful. That should be your 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 mindset. I think it's also important that you have really good relationships with your end customer. And then I think it's really important that uh, you don't get so swayed into the technical technology issue or the technical issues and also, you know, you're kind of, you're balanced between the business side of it, but also the technical side of it. So that, those would be my, you know, keys to success. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Jim and Susan, for sharing your thoughts on how an organization and or the re- leader 
could manage beginnings and make them successful. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you thank you. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, uh, search for CIO Talk Radio, and also please be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. Please be sure to tune in next week to hear the second part of the series on managing transitions. This is Sanjog, all your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sunjog all next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by Citrix, offering go-to assist, remote support made easy. Take a look around. Is anyone in your office listening to music on a boombox? <laughs> Probably not, because you stream radio through the cloud like a normal, well-adjusted person living in the 21st century. Know what else you can get through the cloud? Your business phone system. Yeah, switch to cloud-based Ring Central. Run your entire business phone system online and use it with your smartphone and tablet for as little as $19.99 a month per user. And then you can put that old PBX in the junk pile next to the boombox. Ring Central, phone systems reimagined. Sign up for a free trial at ringcentral.com. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. 